You're listening to Behind the Impact, the podcast that looks at how the most philanthropic companies on the planet are making impact, as told by the very changemakers that make it happen. Hello and welcome to episode number five of Behind the Impact. I'm your host, Jeremy Brown. In this episode, Lily Giraldo, Senior Manager of Employee Giving and Volunteering at Cloudera, joins the show to talk about how Cloudera uses its resources to make an impact. Let's get into it. Lily, welcome to Behind the Impact. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Very excited to connect with you and learn more about Cloudera and the social impact efforts. To kick things off, I would, what I would like to do is go back in time and learn more about how you actually got into social impacts. I know you've had a pretty extensive career. So if you can go back in time and kind of give me the, the story of how you got into the profession, we'll, we'll start there. Sure. Um, so it's it's great to be here. Um, yeah. Uh, so you've, you've probably heard lots of different stories, right? So if you ask anyone in social impact, it's generally, there, it's not a straight line from point A to point B. It's not like you can get a degree in social impact and then land that job. So, and I get that question a lot. And then I hear it from a lot of people too. Um, so for me, I did not start out uh, with the idea of having a career in social impact. In fact, I have a degree in art history. Um, but the very first job that I had out of college um, was working as an investigator at a local public defender's office. And so I was obviously fresh out of college, very young, probably a little bit naive. Um, I got the job because they were looking for someone who was kind of smart and a go-getter. And also they needed someone who was bilingual. Um, and I speak fluent Spanish. I grew up in a bilingual household. Um, and so I started off as an investigator at the public defender's office. And to this day, that has been probably the most eye-opening experience of my life. I went into it with a very naive view of how the the criminal justice system works, probably based on what I saw in TV and movies and thought, you know, the cops arrest the bad guy, the DA puts the bad guy away, end of story. Um, working as an investigator in a public defender's office, I learned that it's not that simple, uh, right? It's not, it's, not, it's not as black or white. There's definitely gray areas. And I learned about things like racial profiling that I didn't know. Um, and so from that point on, that very much kind of directed and kind of dictated my path forward. I went on to work at another, another public interest law firm um, working on dependency cases and then, um, then moved on into nonprofits, worked at a private foundation, worked in a museum, worked in fundraising. And ultimately it was the job in fundraising where I became more aware of CSR and what it was. And I think it was that light bulb moment where I thought, you know, so I have this kind of deep expertise in nonprofits. I know how important they are. I value them. Um, I understand how passionate the folks who work at nonprofits are about the work that, they're, you know, what they're doing. And I thought, wouldn't it be, um, wouldn't it be great to bring that to corporate America, right? So because there's probably people there who want to give back, want to volunteer, and they just don't know where to start. And I thought, well, I could, I could help, I could help make that case and bring it there. And that's kind of how it started. The, the fundraising job was kind of the last job I had before. And then I moved on to uh, managing Cladera Cares, uh, which is Cladera's CSR program and really building it from scratch and building it and expanding it and building it from the ground up. 
So when you think about your first job at the public defender's office and then the fundraising job and now over to Cloudera, what are some lessons that you've learned in terms of social impact, um, especially you know your pat your previous uh, job opportunities that you basically have taken over to Cloudera? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, well, so so one thing, um, and it might be just easiest if I talk about what the programs are at Cloudera Cares, and then how one kind of one or two things that I do in particular, really looking back, kind of relate back to that first job that I have. So. Um, Cloudera Cares, like I said, built it from scratch. It had existed prior to me joining and it was like a lot of places, kind of a grassroots employee led and run program. You know, it was folks who had full-time jobs at the company and were doing it on the side. Um, and so when I joined, we decided to expand it. We started offering um, donation matching, which was something new. We started supporting in-person volunteering events and we had a network of ambassadors because Clutter is a global company. And then we started an annual day of service that all kicked off in 2018. Um, so, well, well, number one, the matching program for me made perfect sense and definitely had a connection to my work in nonprofits because we wanted a way to find a way for employees to support their personal passions. And the matching was a great way to do it. Um, and then also it was an opportunity to, to feature certain causes and things like that, where I could pull back, you know, I could pull from my, the kind of expertise that I had. Um, and then the piece that more recently really looking back is, is definitely connected to my experience is we have now a more recent program, our Clutter I Care Speaker Series. And that was something that was kicked off last year. It was in direct response to COVID. Um, and that's because when the lockdown started, we couldn't do in-person volunteering anymore, um, but we wanted to continue engaging employees with Clutter I Cares. Um, and um, we we kept hearing about how much nonprofits were, were suffering, right? They were, it was the same moment that they were losing funding, but there was also a surge in demand for their services. And so what we decided to do was to invite different nonprofits to come and speak and to present to employees. So we have been doing this now for a year. We kicked it off in April of last year. We've had over 20 organizations come and present. I kind of feel like we've we've kind of cracked the nut on this because it's kind of the right amount of time. It's a half hour session, employees. So it's in a sense kind of a break from the workday. Employees can kind of tune in. It's it's informal. Um, you know, we don't do it as in a webinar format. It's just a Zoom, and you some people keep their camera, and you can see everyone. We always have room for employee questions, but really. Um, it's a way for employees to learn about different nonprofits that are out there. When we started it, it was very directly related to the impact of COVID. So the example is our first guest was, uh, was Second Harvest of Silicon Valley, which is one of the largest food banks. And so they were going, you know, they had just an incredible surge in demand for, for, for their services. And then over time and with everything that happened over 2020, it kind of also morphed into more current events and to kind of um, racial justice and social justice. Um, and so, you know, we've had speakers like the ACLU of Louisiana, we had the Urban Institute talking about the history of redlining in the US an organization talking about migration at the US-Mexico border. Um, but, but maybe just two more points too, to make about the, the speaker series, cause it, it does tie in. So, um, there were kind of a couple of 
very deliberate decisions. So one is it has been a wide range of nonprofits. Like I said, it was all the way from Second Harvest to the World Wildlife Fund Thailand to Habitat for Humanity. Um, and so a wide range, US international made a point of also it being very kind of eye-opening because tech companies are often places of, of privilege. And so it was bringing some of these issues to the forefront and making it, it was really a learning opportunity making it something very educational um, and maybe putting it in a way whenever I was talking with the, the nonprofits about their presentation, you know, making it in a way that everybody could understand it. Um, and then the second piece to the, the speaker series that was very deliberate um, also has a connection maybe to what I've done in the past. And to me personally, is I wanted to make sure we had diverse speakers join us. Um, I did that for a few reasons. Number one, quite frankly, it's, it's personal for me because I am Latina, uh, first generation American parent, but both my parents are immigrants from Colombia. And so I thought, and I grew up in a situation um, where, or I've been in so many situations where I'm, I feel like I'm the only Latina in the room. It happens surprisingly uh, a lot. Um, from elementary school through jobs. And so I thought, well, wouldn't it be nice to have a speaker series where I could look at people who I have a connection to or potentially look like me or have similar experiences to me. So I was very deliberate about that. Um, I mean, I'll stop there. I had a, there was a way of thinking about how I made sure that we were, you know, it was diverse speakers and I'm happy to, to get into that if, if that's helpful. That is helpful. And there's a few things I want to unpack a little bit too. Yeah. Um, so with this speaker series, so you mentioned you're, you're, you're wanting to find a diverse cast of speakers. In terms of the organizations and what they do, um, how do you, what, what's the criteria you use to, besides the diversity piece, to select the nonprofits that you want to come and speak in the series? Yeah, that's a great question. And I've had to do some thinking about it because like I said, it's been a wide range. So uh, so one thing I've, I've made a point of doing is often having it align with Cladera's employee resource groups. So Cladera, like a lot of companies, has, you know, the LGBTQ+, our ERG, Latinx, and so aligning with them when possible, aligning oftentimes with, you know, um, you know, June is Pride Month, so it makes sense to bring in an organization to talk about, you know, a Pride-related nonprofit. Um, also, the diversity was a part of it too. Um, you know, through 2020, companies were then making bigger statements about how they supported diversity, equity, and inclusion. And so this, I felt like this was kind of a, a part of it. It was a way to bring in those faces that you might not normally see at a tech company. I think another criteria for the nonprofits, wanting to make sure, yes, it's US and international, but also you know, ensuring that it's an issue that has kind of a wide reach and is impacting lots of people and is relatable, whether you're in Europe or you're in the US or you're in Singapore. Um, and then I think um, the, the final piece, having a connection to employees. So some of the nonprofits that we invited um, were because I heard about it through an employee. Um, and then someone, you know, they've been volunteering with this organization for years. And then I think, so with all those connections and thinking about the criteria, I should add too that something we did was most of the sessions had a, a Cladera co-host. So it was someone from within Cladera that had a connection either to the nonprofit or to the particular cause. And so the example is when we had 
um, an employee bringing in an organization based in South Africa called the Bombay Project. We had the employee kind of do the welcome alongside with me and introduce, and introduce the speaker to kind of highlight that personal connection. If we're doing something with the connection to one of the ERGs, I'll often find one of the employees that's part of that ERG group and have them do co-hosting. I love the fact that you get the employees involved. So it's not just you running the show, it's everyone's involved. And I feel like they're able to kind of share their passions and, and what they actually care about. I feel like that would resonate uh, with a lot of people listening to this uh, episode. Because uh, a lot of a lot of times social impact teams, you know, they're doing their work, but it's they're not necessarily inclusive of having their employees involved and participating and things like that. I feel like that's a really great way of just getting that employee, the employee uh, workforce engaged. Absolutely. And I think it's something that I, and I and I hear you on that, because I do think in the beginning we were just finding interesting nonprofits. Right. And then kind of making it fit. I think as it's evolved, um, I'm wanting to include more and more kind of uh, connections to employees. And that's just something in general that I, I kind of want to strengthen uh, in general with Cloudera Cares is making sure that there's more connections to employees because a lot of employees are already doing really great things on their own. And so why not highlight that as much as I can via Cloudera Cares, either through volunteering or through the speaker series. So the one thing I want to cover as well, uh, and you mentioned it a little bit, um, is so obviously Cloudera cares, but the structure of the team. So I know if it, originally it was employee led. Now you're on the team. Can you talk a little bit about that structure? Sure. Um, and you will not be surprised because you've probably heard this before and I'm laughing because a lot of the CSR programs out there are leanly staffed. And, and honestly, I'm, I'm, I'm a team of, I shouldn't say I'm a team of one, but I am the Cladera Cares person. And I've been that person since 2018. And folks at Cladera know that if they have a question about Cladera Cares, they should go to Lily. Um, right now, um, and how I fit within Cladera is, Right now, I'm part of the, the corporate marketing team. Um, and that I think that makes sense because a lot of what I do is planning those events, bringing people together, but also communicating those stories and communicating what we've accomplished both internally and externally. But it's me. Yeah, that's why I, I wanted to bring that up because there's a lot of social impact teams that are basically a team of one. And I love the fact that you're getting the employees involved. So like I was mentioning, it's not just you running the show um, and everything on your shoulders. You're getting people involved who have a vested interest in different nonprofits and giving back and just getting them involved. I feel like that's a, 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 an easy and, and more efficient way of you know, expanding upon a company's social impact efforts if they are a very lean team. Yeah, and, and yeah, that's a good point. I mean, and a lot of what I do sometimes is I'm on our Slack channels, seeing what people are talking about. And that's how I've found things, or that's how I've connected with folks. I see that they're doing something and I think, well, let me just reach out and, and see what they're up to and what they're doing. I think that's particularly helpful because I am one person and Clutter is a global company. You know, we have a, an office in Cork, we have two offices in India. And so some of that too, and they're doing things sometimes that don't get highlighted. And so part of it for me too is, reaching out, learning more, and then finding out, well, how can I highlight those stories of impact that are already happening? You know, that the Quirk office in particular has a pretty strong culture of giving back. And so, well, let me see what they're up to and how can I share that story out? So speaking of being a global company, so one thing I want to go back to, you mentioned that there are global ambassadors. 
I would love to learn more about the global ambassadors and how they are selected. Yeah, that's a great question. So, I mean, f- full disclosure, I think COVID, like a lot of, I think this happened to a lot of folks too. I mean, I think COVID and, and working from home has really put a damper on things. Um, so I'll give you an example. When we kicked it off in 2018 and 2019, there were very kind of strong programs um, because we had you know, in 2018, the big goal we were working towards was a global day of service, and it would be the first ever global day of service. And so we decided that some of the larger offices, you know, above 30 or 40 employees should have an ambassador, and that they could lead the events. The obvious thinking is, they're on the ground, they know the context better. Uh, like, like I kind of said, they may already be working on giving back. And so why not kind of piggyback onto that? Um, and so that's how it's kicked off in 2018. We, um, we reached out to kind of the office leads to get nominations, right? Because we wanted to make sure it was someone who was committed to it, but it was also kind of the, the right level of employee. And so we reached out for nominations and that's how we landed kind of on the, on the 2018 and 2019 ambassadors. I think in that period, it was, it was easier to, to kind of get them and to, ha- and to ha- you know, because they were working towards a goal, right? So 2018 was, let's do our first ever global day of service. 2019 was, let's plan some regular volunteering events across the globe. And then let's also plan for the global day of service. In 2020, it's been a bit tougher. And I think really, and this is kind of getting to, what I'm thinking about now as people maybe are getting more getting back into the office um, is really rebuilding that network and identifying the right people, but getting a few things in place, I think, before we can really kind of re-kickstart that program. Um, and, and one of the things thinking about is Cladera um, has never had a formal volunteer off policy. Um, or it, it's had, it's had, a, it's had, it's offered VTO, but it hasn't been, I shouldn't say never, but it hasn't, it hasn't been kind of um, like a formal policy. And so I feel like if we're going to get to the step of getting back to rebuilding the ambassadors, kind of re, re, re getting back into in-person volunteering, we should have a volunteer time off policy in place. So that's one of the, the major things I'm working on right now. That makes sense. So we've talked a little bit about your background. We're now kind of in the midst of talking about Cloudera Cares. And what I would love to do now is kind of do a little bit of uh, forward looking. So as a team of one, what are your goals right now for Cloudera Cares? And and how do you want to see the program evolve over time? Absolutely. So what what I was talking about a little bit before, want to get the, the volunteer time off policy off the ground, both to because it's an easy win. It's something that we can promote internally. It's something that employees want to have, but we want to make sure we have that volunteer time off policy in place because we also want to make sure that managers are supporting it and that if someone wants to take off an afternoon to volunteer, that they can do it and that it's that it's an okay thing. So big thing is getting that policy in place. Um, and that's working alongside HR, HR to do something like that. Um, I think the other piece too is really getting back into in-person volunteering. And that's that's maybe, I have my fingers crossed. I think we're, we're going to learn more about what Cladera's kind of back to the office plan is. And so it's not going to be something immediate, 
But, and, and the other thing too, is it's very likely that whatever happens, it'll probably be hybrid. At this point, it'll be work from home, hybrid, you know, with the, you know, maybe sometime in the office. So getting back into in-person volunteering, but also using that in-person volunteering as a way to build culture and to have employees connect. So maybe we can't do that in the office because people aren't going in every day the way they used to, or going in, you know, three or four times a week. And so maybe the way for employees to connect is through in-person volunteering. So yeah, the first step is get the volunteer time off policy in place. Next one is kind of relaunch the, the in-person volunteering. And like I said, kind of waiting to see what the plan is for Cladera. And I think the final piece, um, and I feel like I've, I've been talking, I've been thinking about this for a while, but I really think um, kind of building a skills-based volunteering program, I, I think that really works right now too, because some people will still want to stick with a kind of virtual work from home experience. And so if we can put the skills-based volunteering in there, I, I think people would be, you know, open to that and receptive to that. So besides the speaker series, how has the virtual volunteering been going for Cloudera? Cause I know there's, there's, I was talking to a colleague yesterday and he was asking about, you know, the simple fact that most companies are virtual now, it should be relatively easy to find volunteering opportunities. And I would, I mentioned to him to a certain extent, but a lot of nonprofits, virtual volunteering just doesn't work for them. And so they don't have access to volunteers during this pandemic. So I'm wondering for Cloudera, how has the volunteer, the virtual volunteering been so far? Yeah, that's a great question. I think we, right at the beginning of kind of the lockdown, so back, you know, March and April of last year, we really started heavily promoting it and we provided different suggestions. I think there was a lot of activity around coming up with different virtual volunteering opportunities and sharing them out. So we absolutely did that. To be perfectly honest, I think there was a bit of, I think there's just Zoom fatigue, I think especially at the beginning. And so I think for folks, the idea of spending an entire day in Zoom meetings and then taking some time to virtually volunteer wasn't appealing. We did, so we did, um, we did offer a couple of opportunities. So we did a virtual letter writing opportunity and we had some traction with that and people enjoyed it. Um, we also invited, and again, this was me maybe a month or two ago thinking, let's try and like kickstart this. Let's kickstart virtual volunteering. Um, we actually had Career Village join us for our speaker series um, because I know that such, I think what they do is great. It's, it's very popular. You hear about a lot of it. And so we, we did that as a way to engage employees. But, but to be perfectly honest, it just hasn't had the traction. I think the other piece to it is folks will, they want guidance, I think. And so just having it out there as well, here's a menu of virtual volunteering opportunities doesn't necessarily work. I do think it needs to be more, more directed. Then I also think there's a piece of employees that they like the in-person volunteering. They want the satisfaction that comes with going to the food bank and packaging food or, and you just, you don't, you don't get that. So what, what I'm hoping is skills-based volunteering just might be the way where you could really engage employees. So it, it's, it's been a, a mixed bag, but in a sense, I, I get that. I think people want to just get out and be in person. Yeah, absolutely. I, I definitely feel on my end too. I'm itching to get back going to the food bank and doing park cleanups and stuff like that. And I miss being in person and just having that uh, kind of camaraderie with folks um, coming on volunteering. So Hopefully sooner rather than later, we can all start getting out there and, and volunteering in person. 
Yeah, I mean, I think two people also want to do something that's different from their day to day, right? That's why you you can get, you know, you can you can pull in people to do in-person volunteering. And so if it's a continuation of what they're already doing at their job, I mean, some folks are okay with that, but I think there's also a lot of people that want to get out, do something different. Absolutely. Okay. So with all the experience you have under your belt. If you had to give somebody some advice around building a social impact program from scratch, what advice would you give them? Great question. So I would say number one, um, connect with your peers. Um, so there are, and this happened with me too. So now, you know, three, three and a half years ago when I was, when I was kind of starting up Platera Cares, it was my first time launching a social impact program, so I wasn't quite sure what I was doing, but I found that there is a really great, generous community of social impact folks who will chat with you and talk about their experiences. Um, and so I had multiple, and I have to say people were incredibly generous with their time, very forthcoming um, with the pro, you know, good and bad, really forthcoming and really, I think, especially, and I, I know I'm not alone, this is maybe another piece of advice too. It was very overwhelming in the beginning because there is, you know, you're, it's, you know, you can be part of a company that's 3000 employees and you're one person and you're going to create this program. And so talking with my peers was just very reassuring that it can be done, that they had been through it before. So I would say absolutely reach out, whether it's on LinkedIn um, and, and chat with those folks, they will have really great advice and really um, and we'll be able to, to reassure you if, if you are feeling a little overwhelmed. I'll have to second that the social impact community, global community, they're very generous people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think ultimately we're all in it because we're trying to make a difference. And so we just have this, this kind of good rapport with everyone. And it's, it's a very, just a, it's a great community to be part of. Yeah, it's not so but yeah, it's not competitive, right? It's not like right. I'm not gonna share this with you because you're gonna take my trade secret. No, it's like, no, why why would you, you know, you want to help other organizations because then that just means more support for more nonprofits. And so of course, and so and that is definitely the the attitude that I had, you know, the, the feeling that I got and the attitude that I got from from the the wonderful people. And I still reach out and chat with people. Sometimes you still need three and a half years into this, I still need reassurances or reality check or does this seem right? And they'll say, yeah, I've, I've had a similar experience. And so it's it's still still pull from that network. All right, last question for you. So with this amount of experience you have under your belt again, um, and the amount of years that you've been in the social impact uh, profession, what is the most meaningful thing about being in social impact? Another great question. And I don't know that I've, I've thought about that. What is the most meaningful thing? I mean, I think it's when, um, sometimes you don't get to hear it, but you might, you might hear from an employee. I think it's hearing from employees is, is one thing. Um, and just saying, you know, this is one of the, this is, I'm so happy that we have this. I'm so glad this is part of our company. That's been very meaningful for, for me. Um, but I think the, the other piece too, that's been meaningful is, um, maybe being a more diverse voice in social impact. Um, like I said, you don't necessarily, I guess it's surprising to me, but you might not necessarily 
see that many BIPOC folks in, in these social impact roles. And so for me, that has been really meaningful. And, and that for me has meant, you know, always sharing my story and being very kind of proud of who I am and of my culture and of my background. And it's not the only thing that defines me, but it is a really big piece. You know, it is a part of what defines me. And so um, sometimes maybe being that, that voice or sharing an uncomfortable truth has been something really meaningful for me. Well, Lily, thank you for joining me and sharing a little bit about your background and giving us all a peek inside of Cloudera's social impact efforts. Thank you so much, Jeremy. That was, that was a lot of fun. This episode is brought to you by Social Impact World, the exclusive community for social impact leaders. To learn more, go to www.socialimpactworld.com. I'm Jeremy Brown, and thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Behind the Impact.